We've all heard the saying, learn to love the process. But why learn to love something? Why not create a process that is easy to love? Welcome to Peace with the Process, where I bring you professionals who specialize in the processes we incorporate to sustain consistent, healthy growth. I believe in learning from others' mistakes and successes. So I also bring on entrepreneurs who have been in the trenches and tell us how they got there and how they got out. I hope you find something in today's episode that you can apply to your own life and that you find your peace with the process along the way. Let's get started. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Peace with the Process. Thank you guys for hopping on another episode and continuing to grow yourself on a continuous daily basis. At least while you're with me, it's on a weekly basis. And I'm glad to be somebody that you go to to seek out a little bit of information on what we can do to grow ourselves a little bit more. I'm excited for today's guest. It is Miss Minna Taylor. She's going to speak to us on energizing our voice, a concept that actually was just intriguing based on the title of it, Energize Your Voice. So I did a little looking into what she does, and I've, I like the idea that it's not just vocal training in terms of how you speak you know, when you're doing public speaking, but it's more so in terms of how do you show up when you speak? How are you representing yourself? How are you being the, the best representative of yourself that you can be when you do go out and go speak? Because I think that's equally as important. Uh, and we get into some of the details and the, and the weeds into that as well. So I'm excited to bring that conversation to you. But before we get started, as you know, I love to thank you guys for all of your ratings and reviews that you've provided with us. Five-star rating on Apple Podcast. I'm very excited to hold that rating and not have a single uh, rating underneath five stars. Thank you guys very much for your support and very much uh, for, your, for your reviews. I want to go ahead and read a couple of them, just kind of give honor to those who have honored us uh, and, and thank you guys so much. So I want to start with uh, one of our recent guests that we had on the show, actually, Mr. Jim Harshaw dropped on, gave us a review, letting us know that uh, we're dropping wisdom in every episode, five-star rating on there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jim. I really appreciate that. Uh, we've got Noah on here who uh, titled it here, Paving the Way. And his review says, the name is the focus, but the insight is so much more. This podcast has so much to dig into. The interviews provide an incredible amount of substance that can only be found on a few other radio shows or podcasts. Peace with the process is a journey you want to take advantage of. Thank you so much, Noah. I really appreciate the uh, the time and thought that you put into that review. And then we have another one here titled A Wise Reassuring Guide by my dear friend uh, Paul Angoni with All Grown Up. He says here, Blake is the real deal. He is a wise, reassuring guide who can tell you uh, who you can tell really cares about people and helping them live a better life. A great podcast. Thank you so much, Paul. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on. If you haven't checked out mine and Paul's uh, conversations together, we've done two podcasts. Go over to peacewiththeprocess.com and you can check out both podcasts that we've done together. If you head over to the resources page and just scroll down a little bit, you'll see uh, the resource section of Paul and you can get to see our episodes together as well as check out his publications. But uh, there's more you can do on that website as well. While you're there, you can check through all the resources that I've done on our podcast guests. Uh, I believe starting with Mr. Robin Dreek. I may go one or two episodes back uh, than that. I do plan on uh, uploading as many of those as I possibly can. Right now, I'm just giving you guys the resources from when I started doing that page and making sure that you're provided with the tools, resources, uh, materials that you need to consistently grow on a daily basis without sacrificing yourselves, your health, or your relationships in the process. If you are interested in figuring out how you can create your own process, then when you're on 
peacewiththeprocess.com. Click on Create Your Peace and have a look over the five or so steps, five or so phases, I want to say, of how I've come to create my personal peace and how I work with others to help them create their peace with the process because we're all uh, desiring to grow. And if we're not growing, we're dying. And if we're dying while we're growing, that's even worse. So I firmly believe that finding a peaceful way to continue growth is the best way to do so. Because if we're growing in one area but dying in another, there's really no sustainability in that process. So check it out. Let me know what you think about the uh, the phases of finding peace with the process. And reach out to me if you're interested. And I will go ahead and let Minna Taylor tell you how we're going to energize our voice today. All right, I've got Minna Taylor on the phone with us today with Energize Your Voice. How are you doing today, Minna? I'm doing well, Blake. Thanks for having me. Good, good. No, I'm glad to have you on. I was intrigued by the the title of energize your voice i've looked into a little bit of uh you know what it is you guys do and i've i've caught some some one-liners here and there that have really piqued my interest before we get into what that's all about what i always love to hear is tell us a little bit about your your story your journey how did you get to helping people energize their voice yeah it's um well i have to give you a sense of where i grew up and I grew up on a farm in southwestern Virginia in the Shenandoah Valley. And I grew up with two sisters on a big farm. And so we didn't have neighbors. We didn't have, so we had each other and we had sort of this very expansive playground, right? So we would just go through the fields and go into the forest and make believe in the imagination. And we had our dress up trunk. And uh, I, I was convinced at one point that I was going to be a country music star <laughs> like Patsy Cline. And uh, I was just really, we were always sort of in this space of play. And I remember the first time I ever did a play, which was eighth grade. And I fell in love with it. I was like, oh my gosh this, I, I don't, I didn't know what it was, right? It wasn't about being the center of attention because I was not the lead. <laughs> um, there was something about the process of it. It was the process of learning lines, blocking, um, figuring it out together, playing together, dressing up as the character and like becoming something and just like, you know, aware that people are going to see it. So you have to, like, there's so many different components that go into this. And when I was a sophomore, my school introduced a visual and performing arts program. And I, prior to that, I was a soccer player. That was like the thing that I did. And then they introduced the performing arts program and it would conflict with soccer. So I had to make this decision. And it's like, oh, dang, you know, I've been doing soccer since I was a wee one. And, um, and I made the decision to go and do performing arts and I was the only actor. So I, because it was such a small town, I graduated with 15 people in my class. Wow. It was this tiny little private school. And I was the only actor for the first year of this visual and performing arts program. So to do plays, we had to get local kids from the public schools to come in and act with me <laughs> but it was great we got to do plays and we got to make films and I ultimately um, ended up applying to NYU to go to, to school of the arts and that's how I ended up in New York and I've been here for 20 years and um, then I got my master's degree in New York with a concentration in speech and vocal production uh, in acting, so a master's degree in acting. And then I graduated and I wanted to be an actor. I was fully committed to pursuing acting. I was like, I, you know, I was like, I want to be on a, a sitcom and I want, I'm like the quirky one. I'm like the best friend, you know, like had it all figured out. And I, my support job, one of them, oh my golly, I had so many, I cleaned houses, I taught kickboxing, I walked dogs. Um, but my, my other support job was coaching. I would coach accent reduction and 
presentation skills to corporate clients. I just, that was the, I found that job on Craigslist, by the way, this consulting job with this amazing little tutoring company. I, yeah, Lexicon Academics, they're so awesome. Nice. And uh, shout out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then I just started doing more and more coaching. And then ultimately I booked a national commercial and that allowed me to quit my support jobs. And I was like, okay, awesome. I can finally like focus on just building Energizer Voice because I now have a financial cushion and pursue acting. So now I'm only doing two things. Mm. And then in that process, I realized I was, you know, being an actor, you're running a business. Mm -hmm. And also I was trying to grow a business. So I said, okay, let me just give six months to focus on Energizer Voice. And in that process, I just realized, um, I felt so much more purposeful when I was doing that. Uh, and so I just made the decision. I didn't, people are always like, Did, why'd you quit acting? And I'm like, I didn't quit. You know, I'm, I still utilize every single thing we do at Energize Your Voice has the foundational principles, which I'm sure you'll be curious to learn about um, that I teach, that I teach to all my clients and all of our, all of our corporate workshops. And I still do it, you know, and I didn't leave it. I just transformed it. No, I like that. I like the concept of transforming it. So yeah, let's let's dive into into what Energize Your Voice is all about and what are some of those uh, concepts and practices that you teach. So at NYU, I studied with the Atlantic Theater Company. And I, I think it's worthwhile to explain what acting is. Uh, acting is truth telling at its very baseline but it's hard to tell the truth, especially in moments when you can prepare, anticipate, predetermine. So you kind of have to break down these patterns of inauthenticity. Mm. And, and so the whole process of acting training is about creating a neutral platform. And so that comes in a number of different forms. So I, the Atlantic Theater Company studies what's called the practical aesthetics for the actor. That's our technique. And then two of the foundational aspects of my training was this voice practice that I learned and uh, phonetics, speak with distinction. And so I became, that's how I ended up doing accent introduction because I just got so into it. I was like, whoa, this is so cool. And the, the voice practice is just, it's a, it's a simple practice. It's literally a practice. I spent six years, including graduate school, four years, learning the practice. So everything I learned at NYU was then mirrored in my master's training. So we studied practical aesthetics, the voice practice, and speech, and speak with distinction, plus the Alexander technique, plus impro, so Im improvisation, which I also learned at NYU. And so we learn these foundations of play, like clowning and, and improvisation. And, uh, and so then I just transitioned all of that into what we teach. So if acting is truth-telling, what do we want to do as humans? When we're in a situation where we, you know, everyone says, oh, okay, I'm on I want, I'm doing public speaking and I want to do a good job. Well, what does that look like ultimately? How it's perceived and how you are embodying it are two different things. So people think, oh, I want it to look perfect. But really what people, the people watching you want to see is truth telling. They want to see you up there fully just present at ease in your body, at ease in your brain, connected to them, desiring them to listen to you. Uh, connecting with them, you know, having that, I call it the line of connectivity. It's like, whoosh, we're here together and I'm telling you the truth, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's what I teach professionals how to do. That's what I teach groups how to do. And we, you know, obviously engage in that strategically, which is where the acting technique comes in. It's pursuing an objective truthfully, authentically, but strategically. So making choices about how you're getting to that end result. That's what acting is, right? You know how the play ends. So now as you go scene by scene, moment by moment, how do you still stay truthful in the moment without playing the ending? Mm. So that's exactly, you have to think strategically about how you move through that and then embody it and become truthful within the telling of that. So that's what I trained in. And that's what I teach. That's what Energize Your Voice does. Yeah. It's it definitely, it's definitely an art. The whole thing 
uh, is an art and a practice, like what you say, because, mm. you know, everything that you're explaining paints, paints a very, a very vivid picture, but it's taken, taken in, taken in pieces, uh, you know, just kind of look like, like brush strokes where uh, you, you kind of got to see it all come together and see somebody go from beginning stage to end stage in something like that. So something that Absolutely. I noticed, so something that I noticed, um, uh, like I was saying, some of those, some of these key words and these phrases that you have, uh, one of them is uh, create your signature talk. So what is, what does that look like? How are we, how are you creating someone's signature talk? I love this program and it's, Grounded in storytelling. So this is a unique program in that it's really not about speaking training, although that can be a component. It's not about practicing necessarily. It's a way of thinking about creating content that is deeply ingrained in narrative, deeply strategic in terms of the integration of data and how you're scaffolding the, the ideas together. But the way in which we, so we not only create sort of the framework for the talk itself, right? Here's the content, here's how we start, here's how we link it all together. I call them buckets. So each bucket has a central idea, a central point. Oh, we got the fire department coming through. <laughs> New York City, New York City, you love it. There's a central point to that. And then, so you scaffold the points, you come up with the main points based on a title. And then you have your sub points and then a transition phrase. And then you have what I call the treasure chest with like mini stories and data points that you can drop in any of the buckets as it pertains to building the narrative. Now that's the structure mm. where what we, and so I help people sort of distill the central idea and then sure. sort of scaffold the ideas. Obviously that's a component of it, but the difference here is that we never start by writing it down. We start by speaking it out loud. And there are two very specific reasons why we do this. And I think our, what we've been taught, I mean, this is sort of traditional school systems, is uh, go to, you know, start writing it down. Go to the computer, give me an outline. And so what we do is a very broad outline, a very, pared down outline and then the way we fill it in is by speaking it out so you're going to create muscle memory around the content already you're never going to say the same thing twice right so now you become consistent versus scripted so we don't have to be memorized because we are now embodied because I have I've created muscle memory around the content as I'm speaking it out. My main point is this, this is what I mean when I say this point, this is how you can think about this point transition phrase, which leads me to my next point, which is this, which builds on this point in this way, but now I'm talking about this point. And then here's the cool thing, this point has an additional idea, which kind of looks like this third point, right? So you're really moving through it, but you're already starting to create muscle memory about it. One of the biggest blockers for people when it comes to public speaking is that they're in their head. They're trying to remember what the heck it is they're supposed to say. They're not in their heart and they're not in their body. Mm. So this is a way to immediately get you to feel like you can at least free your head up when you ultimately go to give this signature talk so that you can connect with your audience. And that can be where your focus is putting your attention on the other person, right? When you're in the moment of connection, that's where your focus should be. It shouldn't be in your head thinking, what the heck do I have to say next? Yeah. So that's one of the key components. The other thing there is, again, I said consistent, not scripted. And now we're going to be talking about what is an authentic representation of your voice versus an intellectualized idea of how you think you should sound. So when we go to the keys, we're thinking, oh, what's the best way to phrase this? So we're thinking about, you know, using words that wouldn't be a natural extension of our thought process in a way that felt intuitive and um, uh, organic, you know? And so this is giving people an opportunity to say, okay, I like the way that sounds. And again, things will stick. But now you've given yourself permission to always say it a little differently without losing the primary thread of ideas. Mm. 
No, I like that. Cause you're, I feel like if you try to sit down and write out what it is you're going to present, write out what it is you're going to say, you're, you're putting, I feel like you're, you're thinking of somebody else saying it. Cause a lot of times we're not thinking about us saying it and, and what it sounds like when we talk, I feel like we sometimes envision, uh, a, how would I best put this kind of like a super version of us, which can sometimes be somebody famous that we know, or, or, you know, somebody that, uh, that we admire or we look up to and we try to take their mannerisms and, and put those pieces in and then create that on a, on a piece of paper. And it comes out as oh disingenuous. I mean, absolutely. Blake, think about it like this. I'm going to go to write a song, but I'm never going to sing the song out loud until I've written the whole thing. Hmm. Would you do that? And I tell people all the time, I'm an amazing singer in my head. So we, I, I really, really appreciate what you're saying. We concoct these sort of imperfect or these, this um, unattainable sense of the idealized self. And you're so connected to this, like must attain this vision, which looks like check all the boxes, but ultimately you, a, that shouldn't be your focus. And you're not entirely in control of so many things once you get up there. So why set yourself up for this externalized representation of perfection right. instead of going in there with presence and then knowing that whatever happens will be realistically flawed in some way, but no one will know that A and B, it will be celebrated because it will be true. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, especially within your first, your first few attempts. So then my question comes down to once you've, once you've got, you, you decided I'm not going to look at this, this perfect person. This isn't what I'm going to try to mold myself out of. I'm just going to, I'm just going to talk it. I'm just going to say it, how I, how it naturally just flows out of my mouth. And I'm going to start saying it that way. I'm going to get comfortable with how it sounds coming out of my mouth. Uh, you know, naturally I can't, I go back to that. Uh, what do we do when we know what our natural habits are? So say we have a bad habit of maybe we've thrown in too many ums or we've maybe we sometimes we talk in a um, there I go. <laughs> sometimes we talk where we're we're talking too directly to an audience when we should be talking in more of a storytelling you know way of noting things. So you know, when we need to make adjustments here and there, what is it we got, what is it we have to do and still keep that, that natural presentation? Really, really great question. Great question. Listen, you wouldn't go to mold a sculpture and just jam some pieces of clay on it, you know, arms, leg, head, and then call it a day. Mm -hmm. right? right? You ultimately then you say, okay, great. That's the basic form. That's what you're doing when you're embodying the content. So you talk it out loud, let's say five times, record yourself. So if you have the gem, you're not like, oh, I don't want to forget it. That was actually really good. I want to make sure I have that, which is reasonable, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Fine. Have pieces that you come back to. Uh, and then after, you know, a few times, you don't want to get so practiced with it that you now become memorized. So I say never do that more than 10 times. And that's even a lot, right? Mm. So four or five times, that'll give you enough idea to then go down and fill in your skeleton, not even fully scripted, but with a much greater level of, of um, specificity around the number of points that you're creating. So that's the first thing I'll say is you have to do that and then you go in and sculpt it. So notice those ums. And why I say write it down, because then you go to practice it, that's the time to say, okay, I've got the content, I've got the general story structure. Now I need to think about who's my audience. So is it going to be more storytelling focused or is it going to be more technical focused? Is it going to be inspiring? Is it going to be sincere? So think about your audience. What, it, how do they want to hear it? Right. Then you can go and think about all of the, you have to do all these things independently, by the way, you cannot try to be attentive. These are different layers, right? Mm. So the first layer is like, get the ideas out. Then this layer is who's my audience and how can I, you know, mold or, or finesse the language a little bit, the way I'm executing my thoughts to meet that audience. Then the third, the last layer is when you think about the polish, right? So it's, wow, I have no vocal dynamics here. I sound like a robot. Let's play around with my voice. Oh my golly, I'm using so many filler words. 
maybe I need to breathe more deeply. Let me focus on my breath. Mm. Let me release my voice. I'm moving around a lot. Okay, let me find if I can just plant myself and explore stillness in these moments. And that's when you'll start to be able to address some of those more technical elements. But you should not be thinking about what your hands are doing if you can't even tell me the truth. Mm. So the first thing is tell your truth because ultimately your hands will know what to do with themselves. <laughs> if you're really speaking your truth, your hands will follow suit. Uh, and when you see people that aren't using their hands that are using too many ums, they're not connected to their breath and they're in their head and not in their heart. And that's really, you can feel it. It's palpable, it's intuitive. Uh, it's a visceral experience in terms of watching it, being yeah. an observer. You can tell when someone's telling you the truth and when they're not, you can see it in their body and you can hear it in their voice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've witnessed talks like that. I've uh, been a part of talks like that. I'm, I've been that person before uh, getting up and giving talks like sure, that. So have I. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, every, every bit of this uh, comes. So that part comes to kind of the sense of confidence with your, with your truth. So do you, do you oftentimes come to this part of your, your helping people with this, this coaching and realize that, you know, we can teach you form and we can teach you all of that. But if you don't have confidence when you're up there, what are some things we do to help uh, boost this confidence? Cause we always hear public speaking is the number one fear. I love that you distilled it down to that because I really consider myself a confidence coach mm. versus a communication coach. The communication is the polish piece. <laughs> And I'm not going to write your script for you. Yeah. So really, it's about how do you now embody all of those things, whether it's leadership, whether it's speaking your truth to a partner, whether it's you're a founder and you really want to put the best foot forward for your business, you have to embody confidence. And let's really break down what confidence is. Confidence, it's one of those words, right? That we hear all the time and be confident, look confident, do confident. But the way that we approach it at Energize Your Voice, because we're talking about embodiment rather than conceptual, what is happening in those moments when you feel most confident, when you are the most at ease? Confidence equals presence. So confidence doesn't mean loud. Confidence doesn't mean overbearing. Confidence doesn't mean insertive. Confidence doesn't mean uh, taking up too much space or dominating or pulling the attention. That's not what confidence means. There can be tremendous confidence in stillness. There can be tremendous confidence in silence. And so the confidence piece there is really about how can I own deeply who I am, be unapologetic in what I need, what I'm feeling, what I have to offer, where I need support or have questions. Be unapologetic in that. And if you're, the confidence then comes through taking the risk to then say it out loud or create an action around it. It's vulnerable, right? Because once I start speaking my truth, once I'm telling the truth all the time, not everyone's going to like it. Now, speak your truth, live your truth, be your truth all the time, as long as it's coming from love. So that's the biggest thing here. Speaking your truth and having that create hate I, is, you may feel at ease in that, but it's not creating ease in the other person. So that's the other piece about acting, right? It's listening. So it's, it's mostly listening, <laughs> We have two ears and one mouth, right? So it, it, it's mostly listening. And if you're really focused and curious about what does the other person need from me or how can I hold space for them and then generous and wanting to contribute something, you will be at ease in that, right? So that's what I mean when we say confidence, you feel it. There's no sense of it's in flow. And so for me, that can be bigger, right? I'm a little bit more expressive. Um, for some people that's much simpler, but confidence is really just the willingness and the daring to show up fully as yourself without apology. 
Right. Yeah. And absolutely. And I see, I see uh, sections here, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking through your website as well. Oh. And, and some of the things that I've seen <laughs> and, uh, uh, You've got you've got these big group settings. So when you have some of these big group settings, does that help with fostering the confidence required to go to an even larger group and then a larger group after that? So is is audience uh, scaling? Is that something that helps with confidence? I think it depends on what your goals are entirely. If your goals are to be a speaker, absolutely. Mm. Uh, start with. 10 people, then go to a hundred people, then go to a thousand people, you know, like scale it up from there. If that's what your goal is, is to speak in public, to be a facilitator, to be a leader, to be a, you know, especially people who are wanting to get into a thought leadership capacity, you're going to have to speak. You're going to have to be in front of people. You're going to have to have people ask you tough questions and challenge your, your viewpoints and maybe ask you questions that you don't know right, in front of a lot of people. So I think if that's your goal, um, yes, start small and build up. Uh, there is beautiful anonymity in speaking in front of a thousand people. It's almost less intimidating than speaking in front of 10 uh, because being seen is part of telling the truth, right? And 10 people can really see you and you can see them seeing you. A thousand people, you can't see them seeing you, but you know, they're seeing you, right? Um, but also I think it's, it's really important for people that are really just looking to, I, so many people come to us, especially in a private capacity that are just saying, I'm, I'm just, I, I really want to contribute more. I really want to share my idea. I really want to resolve this conflict, whatever it is, right? Um, and, and they know that there's something that's stopping them. And that's even in one-on-one -on -one interaction. So it really depends on what people's goals are. I want to be a better leader, but that means having challenging conversations with my six-person team. You know, um, so it really depends on what your goals are. But for sure, if you're if you're wanting to be a speaker, start small and and work your way up. And because it, right. it's about the practice, right? It's like stand ups. Stand ups go to clubs and they do their they test out their sets on a small Tuesday afternoon audience. You know, yeah, yeah. Start small. Very nice. Very nice. So do you have someone that you've witnessed go through your coaching? I'm sure you have plenty, but is there someone, and of course you don't have to name them at all, Is but I'm, I'm, I'm reaching for somebody in particular that may have had a success story kind of coming through uh, your coaching and that you've seen transform from, from where they started to where they ended with your practice and can some kind of tidbits from that. There are two that are fairly similar. So hmm. uh well, similar. they're both executives. So they were senior executives and very different scenarios. One of which was working for a newly acquired rapid growth ed tech startup. Um, they were the chief operations person. And then another one it was a senior member of a luxury hospitality brand. So very different <laughs> scenarios here. Um, but they each came to me knowing that they were in this very high profile position and they knew that they could improve. One of which actually had a fear of public speaking, one of whom was really good at public speaking, but knew that they could be better. When I first started working with her, I, I remember our first session, I was like, how am I going to help this woman? <laughs> and because she was great. She was technically great. She was, she was there. I could felt her energy. She wasn't attached to script. But ultimately, what we realized, she's just so adept at doing it well that she had totally atrophied the muscle of surprising herself. Mm. And so when we gave her the opportunity to be playful, to surprise herself, to insert stories, really build that in. If she had to give a talk, for example, build in a moment, go off script. And that broke open so many things for her. She ended up saying that play was really the secret sauce that she had discovered. And similarly with this uh, other executive at the hospitality company, he was very stuck in his body and, but he was good and he was charming and all these things, but he was stuck in his body. So we ultimately ended up getting him a mini trampoline so that he could practice while bouncing. <laughs> and he rocked it. He, he really, he was like, oh, I get it. That put him in touch with his breath while he was speaking. It made his whole body move. So he wasn't all tight. And then he could translate 
transfer that onto sort of solid ground. And he wow. he saw this tremendous transformation just by giving himself permission to loosen up while yeah. he was speaking. Yeah, I could already tell. I'm just envisioning myself jumping on a trampoline, trying to hold, trying to be serious in a conversation with somebody. And you can't. I feel like you couldn't. I don't know. I'm sure he may have done a very good job and it could have just helped him loosen his body. But I feel like not only would that be good for, for loosening your body, but it'd be good just for loosening up in general, just because you can't be too serious bouncing on a trampoline in front of somebody trying to tell you. For story. sure. <laughs> well, what I'll say is you actually can be really serious. You just won't be tight or tense or overworking. So I always say, don't try, allow. And so bouncing on a trampoline just allows. So you're not okay. trying anymore. So maybe you're serious still. Maybe you're like, Blake, stop talking to me that way. Right? <laughs> but you're bouncing on the trampoline, right. which as, as inherent comedy, I, I will give you that. <laughs> right, right, right. No, that's cool. That's interesting. That's a, that's a tactic I hadn't thought about before. And then uh, the... Uh, the lady that you talked about as well, being able to open up and surprise herself. I think that is, that's very important too, because that can come just from putting ourselves in a box of what we thought has been, you know, kind of, I kind of go back to that, what our perfect self looks like. And we've had this idea of what our perfect self looks like for so long. We may not have had our, had an opportunity to go outside of that and say, well, you know, there's something else out here that I'd like to play with. And I'd like to test out a little bit so i i can definitely see everything that you do you know energize your voice and then uh what was uh what was the topic that we talked about earlier it was the uh finding creating your signature talk creating your signature talk that's all very personal because it's not just how you present it comes a lot down to who you are as a person what you allow yourself to open up to what you allow yourself to be closed off to expression of the spectrum in between right it's absolutely okay to to know that we don't always have to be a raw open available human right we have to have these barriers right it's we have to but it's really important to know that as long as you're telling the truth, anything else is fine, right? Because it's all it's all strategy. And it's really giving yourself permission to do that, which is hard. Basically, we don't want we don't want duplicates of the famous speakers that are already out there already. And being able to, like you say, if you're if you're a little if you're a little secluded or a little introverted, that's gonna speak more powerfully to most likely the people that you're wanting to speak with than it would if you were so extroverted, you know, if you're, if you're in, well, I don't want to sound like a stereotype. I feel like people in it are kind of a little reserved. So I was going to go with that. And I was like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to stereotype or anything like that. I, I think that's a fair assessment. We work with a lot of <laughs> okay. programmers. Well, yeah, you would have to be, I guess, cause you do, you work alone a lot in, in, in something like that, but just, just I'll generalize and I apologize to anybody in the it community who, who's who's extremely extroverted and loves people uh, you might have picked a, a, the wrong the wrong career but uh <laughs> you know you that might be your audience you may be talking about new softwares new programs yada yada and, and, and teaching uh and having a very intellectual presentation you know not a whole lot of up and downs and uh, and, and and super exciting things going on that might be your best way to present Whereas uh, if you were trying to present to a sales team or you're trying to present to, you know, some uh, young teenage uh, entrepreneurs who are, you know, working with the whatever's going on, you know, and whatever it might be, your different audiences are going to have different voices that attach to them. Super important. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think there's the, the, voice with voice is what we receive right so voice is what we hear so mm. what we create is vibration so what we create is a, is an extension of energy uh, that's then interpreted as sound and that's what voice is otherwise it's vibration and so even from the introverted side let's take that that's not to say that anything's wrong it's okay to have boundaries it's okay to know your limits it's okay to be extroverted or introverted or have some, you can still have peaks and valleys in your voice. You can still have really strong stories. And I think especially when you're working with complex ideas, storytelling is gonna be your best access point toward enrolling everybody in a deeper understanding of what it is you're in service of helping them understand. Right. And even, even introverts, those are tools. 
right? And then the voice fills those tools. So those tools, vocal dynamics and storytelling in this instance, are still necessary for everybody. How they're ultimately expressed will look different for everybody. No, I like that. I like that. So another question that I want to get into is a lot of times we think about these skill sets that we have and we developed and how they pertain strictly to our money maker. But what are some areas uh, possibly in your life or in anybody else's life that you've seen, you know, the skill of, of understanding, you know, their, their signature talk of, of being able to energize their voice of how that's helped them in other areas of their lives? I'm so glad you asked that question because, <laughs> well, I used to teach, this was before I had a team. So this was when I was a solopreneur. I, I was teaching four what I called community classes every month. So it was just me working with regular old humans. And one of, one of the workshops that we taught or that I was taught was called Spark a dating workshop, not for the faint of heart. We ultimately changed it to spark a better first impression. The, and people would come for work reasons because they were looking to date and were having trouble on first dates, you know, from all different areas. I want to be better as a brother. Oh, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> uh, but I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Why don't people like me? And so this workshop was small. It was 10 to 12 people. And it was about three hours long. It was two and a half hours. And the first hour was about gameplay. And so it was, and the games were specifically designed to build information, information around your intuitive impression. So what's the vibe you get from somebody? Uh, and then experiential impression. So what was your experience of that person versus your initial impression? And then what was your physical impression? Body language, also what were they wearing, et cetera. Last hour and a half, people would get up one by one in front of the group. They would have 20 seconds to introduce themselves. And then they would stand there and we would analyze each other based on intuitive, physical, and experiential impression. And so we'd look at things like, well, when I, when you first walked in the room, you didn't make eye contact with anybody. You just sat down in your chair and sort of looked away. Right. So it's these things that like, maybe they didn't even notice that people noticed that that's how they came in. And so maybe they weren't even thinking that, oh, that might have an impact on how somebody receives me. And so there were all these different things that we would identify, right? Stance, how you were holding your feet. Um, you're not moving your hands when you talk. So these little things that are habits, the people, I mean, they're the weirdest quirks. Humans are bizarre animals. We develop these really strong physical habits that are developed for who knows why. Because when I was a kid, I got picked on because I was six foot tall in the fourth grade. You know, we don't know why we develop these certain habits, but there, a lot of times they're not serving us toward being as expressive of our authentic self as we could be. And so we had people come in. I mean, we had people that were of the trans community, you know, I'm now transitioning. I, I'm worried what people think of me. Like when I say this was the best workshop, because you know what the biggest transformation was beyond these little tools that people were getting. It was affirmative for them. People were being able to say to them very directly, you have a real just kind of innate kindness to you. Wow, you walked in and like you have this like spark. It was so cool. And they just say that to one another, you know? And like you see people be like, wow, really? You see that in me? And you get to witness this moment happen. So yeah, <laughs> the work has transformed it forever. We actually had two people come to that workshop. This is a great story. We're there in the same workshop. I get a text message from the girl a year later and she's like, oh my God, I forgot to tell you. I'm get, I just got engaged to the guy that I met in your workshop. <laughs> I was like, that's so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, you know, they just met and they just like, I mean, they're a great couple anyway. I feel like I really had nothing to do with it, but I created space for people to tell the truth and look what happened. Yeah, no, that you're absolutely right. Yeah. When you can, you can, Again, you know, get rid of what you think you should look like and just allow yourself to think and talk how you would naturally come across. That's beautiful. Absolutely. So 
this we're getting down to the end here and i want to make sure that everybody knows where they can keep up with uh, what you've got going on you know where they can look into some of what you have to offer and all of that i think what you do is amazing and extremely beneficial to anybody looking to you know like you say a lot of what you do is create uh, you help coach confidence so you know i know that's such a big thing uh, and that doesn't matter if we're confident with where we are now, if we think about where we want to go. And that gives us a little bit of, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I think having something like this, your speech is uh, it's just an extremely powerful tool. So I want everyone to know where they can where they can check you out and see what you have going on. Oh, awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah, I think creating your signature talk to me is for right now, it's the perfect thing because it gives you, it, we essentially say a keynote that can be broken down as a library of content for mm. social media, for podcast interviews, for, uh, you know, getting interviewed for some magazine. You now have an arsenal of stories. You've distilled the thing that drives you, your big idea that you're trying to bring into the world. That's what Signature Talk is all about. Uh, and so if you want to learn more about it, go to energizeyourvoice.net. That's our website. You can read all about us there, both what we do privately and then for our corporations. We also have something called the Buy One, Give One Social Equity Initiative. So any corporation that buys a training with us, we then gift a half-day training to one of our nonprofit partners. So it's a literal buy one, give one. That's awesome. Uh, and then you can, yeah, it's cool. We call it, we're the Tom's shoes of corporate consulting. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Tom's. And then you can follow us on Instagram. That's always a great place to go. You can follow me. It's at Taylor underscore EYV, or just follow us at energize your voice. Awesome. Awesome. It has been a, a pleasure getting to know you and what you do and why you do it, uh, the impact of Energize Your Voice and what it has on uh, the individual as well as uh, the community as well. So uh, guys, definitely check her out. Look into what she's got going on. Uh, it's definitely a powerful tool. Your voice is something you use every single day. Um, so when we talk, so we, uh, I've actually got a couple minutes that I, I want I want to ask you before we leave, before we head off. Um, I almost forgot. I try to ask everybody, every guest this. Uh, what is something you do on a, a daily, weekly, monthly, just a regular basis that uh, helps you grow in the most healthy way possible? Distinct morning routine. I have a really, it's, it's comprised of three things. So I don't have sound. I don't play the radio. I don't put on podcasts. I don't listen to videos. I don't do artificial sound before I com complete the following items, which is make my bed. Um, <laughs> I read, so I read at, you know, 20, 30 minutes, and then I meditate. So that's what I do. And then I can start my day. Very nice. I love that. So I learn something and I get in touch with my, <laughs> my insides. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. I tried to do the reading early in the morning and I kept falling asleep. So I, <laughs> so I, I would, it's I would, not for everybody. <laughs> no, not for everyone. I, I, cause I hadn't had my coffee that early in the morning. So I would always, I said, okay, I need to get this read. So I'd go to audiobook. but no, I love that. I love a good, I love a good morning routine. I think that is, um, I, I, I swear by it. I have a morning routine, uh, a nighttime routine. I even have a lunchtime routine. Uh, routines are my thing. So I love those. And uh, there's a lot of power in that. And, but it's the, it's the things that you put in your routine that really create your, your space for growth in what you perceive as the most healthy way. Like you say, so what's just because, because we, we still, we still got a couple of minutes here. What is, uh, what is your, what's the reason for no artificial sound? I live in New York city mm -hmm. and I'm very conscious of the sympathetic nervous stimulus 
from artificial sound, horns honking, mm. you heard it already, a siren. Um, so I, I hear it all the time. I, I'm also aware that I wear my earbuds a lot because I have, you know, podcasts like this, or I have calls all day, or I'm with clients, or I'm training, or I'm going for a run and have my music in or my podcast in. And to me, it's just a way to be in quiet. I think it's so important to, and maybe it's because I grew up on a farm and I'm, I, that's, I'm going back to that, but being in quiet, it's, it's not always possible, but so I really try to create intentional space for that. No, I like it. I enjoy it. Um, I have, uh, I have some, some friends of mine we meet, with, we meet with each other regularly, and one of the things we talk about is the difficulty in today's world to not, not just with artificial sound, but with, with anything you know, technological-wise or anything like that, really anything. Like you spend time in meditation, so that's, that's where you're actually getting away from any form of stimulus except for your own thoughts. And a lot of times in meditation, we try to actually, you know, maintain and center those thoughts around a particular idea without allowing it to just buzz, 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 buzz around. Because that's what all of these things that are going on in our lives have really caused us to do, Uh, you know, artificial sound, you say, well, you got sirens go off, your attention just went off in another direction. Uh, your notifications on your phone all day, your attention just went off in another direction from whatever it is. That's the other thing. I have sound off on my phone. I never have notifications on. I'm like, I just, it's the one, it's a small thing that makes a huge impact because we are, we're constantly either visually stimulated or orally stimulated. Um, You have to create space for that, right? You, You can't necessarily control how you're kinesthetically stimulated. So through your environment, but you absolutely can control sound and what you're putting in your eyeballs. It's important because it can be, you don't even realize it, the impact that it has. And we're unaccustomed to it. I was actually listening to a TED talk on, on concentration because I've been having trouble concentrating while I was memory or while I was meditating recently. I was like, what is happening there? And he was talking about allowing ourselves space to get bored. Mm. Yeah giving ourselves, and I was talking about this with a colleague the other day. I was like, I used to, we didn't have electronic devices. I'm that, you know, I grew up pre-internet, pre-anything. And I used to, we had a whole set of encyclopedias. I just get bored. I'd go and pull an encyclopedia off and just like scroll through it. Or I just like sit outside in the yard for a while. Yeah. You know, like we don't do that anymore. (laughs) I like that. No, my, my wife and I actually just made the decision. You can see it. I typically don't post the videos at least not right now i'm not i might later but you can see it on the video i don't have a tv where the tv used to go that that Mm -hmm. desk right there that used to be where the tv sat but we decided we were going to get rid of it no more no more tv Uh, you know get rid of that stimulus at the end of the day try to open up some space where we would usually sit down and watch television and sit down and figure out something else to do get bored you know we ended up playing a lot of card games and board games to start off with because you're not quite sure what to reach for to 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 busy yourselves um sometimes we end up getting on our phones so we're going to start setting some uh some expectations around that you know every now and then we're like hey for, don't don't forget we're supposed to be doing something else put your phone down let's you know let's let's try to find something else to do and we'll do that and it's been it's been absolutely amazing um one of the things that I've found that, it helped, that has helped me just since you mentioned it uh, with meditation is uh, it's like mind body meditation. So connecting your brain to uh, your, the sensations in your body. So I used to sit down and one thing that would always help me focus was I would try to focus on the feeling in my toes and then in my tops of my feet, bottoms of my feet, calves, knees, thighs, and just work your way all the way up your entire body. And I would actually get this sensation as I got further up, I would feel a kind of a tingle in my neck when I was real focused on it by the time I got that far up, or you'd feel a tingle in the top of your head. Uh, when you know that you've been able to, to stay on focus all the way up to the top of your head, uh, that's something I used to mm-hmm. do. I need to get back. I need to get back into doing that, actually. Well, what you described there is in the Alexander technique, and this is what we teach when we talk mm-hmm. about behavior change, you have to engage in what's called conscious redirection of use. Mm. And the foundation of that, the first layer is notice, right? So that body-mind connection in terms of ultimately how you engage in the world, once you get out of that meditation, how do you engage in the world? 
by simply becoming present with what's called the gross body. I know that's a gross way to say it, but the gross <laughs> body, meaning the, tish, the tissue and the skin and everything, once you become sort of very in tune to that, along with breath, along with how you're breathing, how you're allowing or not allowing breath, that then sets you up for everything. That's the foundation of acting, breathing, right? Speaking should be as easing, acting should be as easy as breathing in the moment, right? Mm. That's all it is. Yeah. Very nice. No, I'm glad we were able to to go off on a little on a little excerpt <laughs> there and then still bring it right back around to what you do. I love that. I love that. Great. I think that's well, a, because all I do is teach humans. That's it, right? Like everything <laughs> comes back to being human. So there you right. go. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Well, it has been a pleasure. Uh, I think we now are close enough to the end here that we uh, we can start wrapping things up. But uh, one more time, go ahead and tell everybody uh, the website and uh, and where they can find you at so that they can make sure to keep up with what you got going on. So I am Minna Taylor. My company is Energize Your Voice. You can find us on our website, energizeyourvoice.net, or check us out on Instagram at Energize Your Voice, or you can follow me at Minna Taylor underscore E. Y-V. That's so awesome. Thank you for coming on. Then I've had uh, an amazing time having a conversation with you. Thank you so much, Blake. I appreciate it. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Minna Taylor. Uh, always a pleasure to get to have a conversation with somebody who really values the art of checking in with yourself, realizing that everything we do is not really worth doing if we're not able to be ourselves while we do it we can't walk around this world and put on a fake skin and expect to find pure joy in everything you know because we've all been created uniquely we've all been given a unique job you know it may be the same job title as somebody else it may be the same career path as somebody else but everything about it that you do is made different and unique by who you are. And if we try to walk around this world completely replicating or spending so much time trying to duplicate what it is other people do, we lose our uniqueness. We lose who we are in the process. And I would hate to see the day when some of us just completely die. We, we exist but die. Where we're no longer who we were meant to be, but we're just a complete copy of somebody else. So I would hate to see that. I'm so glad Minna does what she does and helps people find their voice through Energize Your Voice. Be sure to go check her out. Check out those courses. If you are in any capacity trying to create content for your business, for uh, your brand, for you, or you're just trying to share some things, hoping that something catches on and you're able to create a brand or a business out of that, make sure that when you're sharing, you're sharing who you are. Don't adapt yourself to what you think the world wants to see. Obviously, you know what I mean when I say there's there's strategy behind that. Just make sure that you're not losing yourself in the process. I, I have to make sure that I don't pay too close attention to what I do. I really try not to script most of what I say because I know if I do, I'm going to be spending a little bit too much time thinking about what other people might want to hear or maybe spending a little too much time on this perfect version of myself in my head and what that looks like. I want you guys to see some of the cracks and some of the unpolished areas, right? Because that's just where we're at with today's society. I'm glad that's where we are. I'm glad we live in a world where people embrace uh, everyone's imperfections. I, I really enjoy that. Obviously, it makes it easier on me because uh, I don't have to try to be perfect in order for you guys to connect and enjoy what it is I'm throwing out there in the world. I hope you do enjoy it. I know there's a few people who do at the very least uh, because I've just read at the beginning of this podcast your amazing reviews. Thank you so much. If you haven't had a chance to give a review, uh, I just ask that you head over to Apple Podcasts, find the Peace with the Process podcast, and head down to the bottom and give us a rating and review. I really appreciate it. I, I, those of you who have taken time out of your day to thoughtfully put together your thoughts and appreciations for this show, you guys are just part of the reason that I do this. I'm not going to lie to you and say that I only do this for all of you. If nobody listened to this show, I would still do it because the value that I get from being able to sit down and talk with people, listen to their stories, and 
take little tidbits of insight from their failures and successes. And of course, when they specialize in a certain area, I can take that. A lot of times it really helps because I'm able to have my eyes opened to a course or to a book of knowledge that I wasn't even aware or wasn't even on my radar. It just kind of grabbed my attention. And every now and then I get a guest on the show who's, I I didn't grab their, you know, they didn't grab my attention. Not that they specifically didn't grab my attention. It's just that particular day or whatever I was looking at didn't necessarily grab my attention. It just seemed like something I thought, hey, you know, this is an area people grow in. This is something that has value to it. And I have that guest on the show and I'm blown away by what it is that we get to talk about. And I believe one of those individuals is going to be coming up soon on the podcast. I don't remember if he's coming up next week or if he's coming up the week after that, but stay tuned. He's a, he's a gentleman who I had on the show because I know what he does is part of being an entrepreneur. It's part of promoting your brand. And I knew that it was something that I would have listeners who would enjoy listening to it. Didn't necessarily, uh, I didn't necessarily have too much piqued concern about what it is. And I was genuinely, genuinely surprised by where our conversation went. So stay tuned and I hope you enjoy that one. Uh, if you have not already signed up for your insider's access emails, head over to peacewiththeprocess.com, scroll down to the bottom and fill out your subscription to the insider's access emails. Get all the tools, resources, promos, gifts, opportunities to win things emailed directly to you. Oh, as well as all the links and stuff to all of our guests, information, whatever I've got going on. And you can have those emailed directly to your inbox and get that before anybody else. So in the event, if we ever do a gift or winning opportunity, which now that I think about it, I need to do a couple more of those actually. Let me know what it is you would like to see up for a gift or up for uh, grabs, you know, some kind of a, a prize that we might do. Let me know what you think. Head over to the Facebook or Instagram page for the teaser uh, clip that I uploaded for today's episode. Put it in the comments. What would you like to be offered up as something to win on the episode or an opportunity to be put in a raffle or whatever it is? You know, I want to give some stuff to you guys for free just for being awesome uh, viewers, listeners of the podcast. I really appreciate all of you. So I will see you all next time on the next episode of Peace with the Process. Thank you all. I love you all. And we'll see you then.